Hey everybody, we are live. Welcome to Community Manager Live. And I don't have my stuff going on here. <laughs> I'm David Diewald, Community Manager at Siena. Each week we bring a collection of community industry professionals together to discuss a topic suggested by our audience. If you would like to chat along with us today, you can join us on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitch. Uh, where you, we can pull your questions and questions and comments right into the stream. If you prefer to just watch or listen, you can do so on Twitter. You can find the links for all of that at the top of the page at cmgr.live, community manager, cmgr.live. All right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, sorry about that. I They were ready. I wasn't. So <laughs> we'll kick it off and go around the, the world here and uh, just uh, let everybody introduce themselves, say hello, and tell us who you are, what you do, and where you do it. Uh, new people today, uh, old people, so we've got a good mix. Tim, I'll let you kick it off. All right. I'm Tim McDonald. I'm the co-host with David here on Community Manager Live. I'm also the head of community at homeroom.club, where we are uh, community management software as a service uh, for enterprise clients in the web 2.5 space. Ooh, I like that, 2.5. Finia? Uh, hello, my name is Samantha Venia Logan. I do go by Venia, and I am an online community architect and consultant for Socially Constructed Online, uh, where we build online communities using social scientific principles and level up community manager skills. John. Hi, yeah, I'm John Summers. I've been the enterprise community manager for the past uh, 15, 16 years. And last uh, year, I've been working as the CEO at Communify, working at uh, building online community uh, reporting dashboards. Deb? My name is Deb Shell. I'm the founder of Find Calm Here. I help entrepreneurs and business owners find calm in the process of building an online community with with uh, skills and grace. I also am the leader of the Community Consultants Collective, a new group of community consultants, and I help business owners and new community professionals discover communities better. Hello, everyone. It's so good to be here and so much fun. Uh, so my name is Adrian Spire. I'm the head of community at Higher Logic and the author of The Accidental Community Manager, uh, which is available at all fine bookstores and building communities for many, many years. Uh, and thanks for all the fans uh, that have the book. <laughs> Carolyn. Hello, I am Carolyn Zick. I'm a social marketing expert, as well as the director of marketing for Communify. So John, up, up there. Uh, we are teammates building really, really cool SaaS software for community reporting. And I'm just excited to be back again and that I was somewhat on time this time. So that's a big plus. <laughs> Jeffrey. Hello, everyone. My name is Jeffrey Rowe. I am the senior community manager at DecisionLink, which is a uh, software company that automates a sales methodology and approach to sales referred to as customer value management. Um, outside of work, I host networking events for community professionals on behalf of CMX. And my good friend, Tim, is uh, the co-host of that. So we host these networking events for, for community professionals in the Tampa Bay area. Nice. Clearwater yeah. and surrounding areas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. Very good. Very good. All right. So this week we are talking about community management tips, tactics, tricks, whatever you want to call it. Um, so the first question up uh, is really what is the like your number one community management tip can be about anything. It could be something that someone gave you as a tip that has 
carried you a long way, or it could be something that you've learned along the way that you want to share. We'll start off with you, Vinia. Hello. Yeah. Um, so my tip is something that uh, kind of came to me as an epiphany when I was really frustrated trying to explain, well, here's what your job as a community manager is. Um, and it's one of those highly salient messages that you just tell someone and you're like, oh, yeah, that is indeed exactly what I do. Um, but I believe that in community building, doesn't matter what you do, if you're an architect, a facilitator, an engagement uh, coordinator, doesn't really matter what you do in community, all roles in community boil down to two things. You are setting precedent. I believe that this thing is going to be a good idea for our community. And then building momentum until the community is doing that thing on its own. And in a lot of ways, with all of the complexity of online community management and all of the different stuff that we need to learn and do, we can kind of get bogged down in a lot of that complexity. But the reality is just us saying, hey, what is the precedent that moves this community forward? Now that we know that, how do we install it? So just focus in all your confusion on what precedent you want to set this quarter and how you're going to build momentum for it. Like Anybody else want to jump in? Yeah, I, I, I can for sure. I, so something I kind of learned over my time, I guess some people may have suggested it was, but as I grew my communities from five, you know, 10, 100,000 million people, having a schedule like in, and sticking to it, whether it's your daily schedule or your weekly schedule on things you're going to do around your content, when you're going to be posting things, when you're going to be checking on things. Because I know myself, I wanted to be refreshing my community like all the time. I'm like living on it. I got one screen over here. And the reality is really like setting a time. I'm going to check in here and there. I'm going to do these certain tasks throughout the day, really keep you focused and on track by establishing like those schedules and even like a content schedule, here's what I'm gonna be doing for the month, really allowed me to expand the scope of my program, allow me to drive more content through the program and allow to really make it a better experience for the end users because they, they were expecting things on this regular cadence and they get accustomed to that. And then my last kind of final thing is, you're the voice of the customer as a community manager and always like keep that in mind. Oh, those are, that's a good one. Uh, mine is, is uh, uh, don't plan when the house is on fire. And <laughs> the reason <laughs> reason I had it, it it's, it's true, though, is because, you know, sometimes it happens that we wait until the crisis happens and then we try to figure things out. Um, and, it, and it goes to a, lar a larger point uh, that I also talk about in the book was, you know, uh, you, you have the right to take time off. And you, and in order to do that properly, it takes planning ahead of time to to do that. So um, no one dies from most communities. Most people are not going to die from your community work. It's important to take the time off, and it takes the time to plan it. And and to John's point about you know writing stuff down and creating a schedule, carving out the time to build that so that you can take care of yourself and your health, so that you can take care of your community. I'll hop in. Um, I think, yeah, part of taking care of yourself, and this is something that I uh, try to communicate to as many people as possible, is really just trusting yourself. I, I know that kind of sounds um, very basic and maybe even a little bit cliche, but I think, and Adrian, you talk about this in the book, I think a lot of us, whether we're working in community or in other industries, deal with a certain level of imposter syndrome. Um, but 
trusting yourself is probably the, the, the most integral thing that I've learned over the course of my career. Um, you know, you have, you have great knowledge, you have the drive to want to be able to do this work. Um, so follow that, be your own North star and, uh, you know, things will, will fall into place when, when you start believing in yourself. And if I can add on that, the, the, the thing I also find important with that is the honesty of like when you don't know to because people 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 will sniff you out if you. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am an expert in lighting. No, you're not. <laughs> I have the opposite problem. People tell me to shut up because I just won't stop talking about. <laughs> I've heard that about you. Yeah, I mean, it's just bad. Oh, yeah, so they, so they, won't, they won't listen to you. I know when I joined the, when I first joined like the Sims community. Like I had to work for a long time for them to like actually accept me as, you know, there's 40 other volunteer moderators and I'm this new guy. They're like, who are you? We've been doing this for years. We've Sims has been around as a culture. It's a, you know, it's a, their life. And stepping into that role, I really had to like, I do my due diligence. I think I played that game. Like I went back and I played every <laughs> Sims game from one all the way through just so I could like someone knew a question. I could be like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's the scene from season two, ep, you know, pack four. But, but, I'm, but I'm sure when you joined in, you were being honest about it. You're not, you weren't trying to pretend that you were uh, the expert of Sims. Like I'm, 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 I'm passionate. I want to learn. I'm going to be here. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah, you express that, and you and you get you ask them for help, right? Hey, like you know, like get help from your audience. You know, even if I was like working in like cybersecurity, I don't know anything about cybersecurity, but I'm managing this community, right? And like, but I got <laughs> like, <laughs> I talk to people. You learn. You 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 pick up the lingo. You get involved, and and you lean on your resources because I was going to say, I remember a middle school teacher always told us never say that you don't have the answer. Always say, let me look into it and get back to you. Yeah. Totally. yeah. And I've, yeah. I just applied that through my whole life and career. <laughs> I also think it's really amusing, especially in community because we focus so much on the Holy grail of community being self-disclosure. And there's this notion of saying, Hey, I don't have the answer, but we're going to go on a journey. Do you want to come with us? It's like the ultimate way to bring people along a learning journey with you so that they watch you become the expert. Um, so it's really funny how social currency works that way, where you're just like, hey, same level you are. Come with me now. Well, I, th I, th I think there's also something to this, too, that um, when you do it, especially with a community member, right, you are making them feel like they're part of the process. Instead of you just coming back with an answer, they are helping develop the solution with you, which builds that that credibility, that trust, that loyalty that every community is looking for. Yeah, it's it's their object then too. Like it's yep. something that they've created together. So this is like, I'm I'm so glad I'm here learning from everybody because I'm very new to the community industry. So like Jeffrey, going back to what you were saying of like you know you have the knowledge, things like that for me coming into this space as a pretty new community manager i've been relying a lot on like skills that i learned in completely unrelated industries and that's totally normal in the community yeah. world and learning that has been like just i've been a social marketer for almost eight years now and coming into the community space has totally shattered like imposter syndrome on so many levels for me in a good way like yeah just busted it open because you can ask. Like I could just 
put out a question and have Adrian reply on LinkedIn and be like, here's what I did, or here's the playbook, or in a Slack channel and have somebody send me a keynote that just happened earlier this week. Like, oh, here, here's a keynote we did a year ago on this exact topic. Like, yeah, there's so many like different that. things. We're very, we're very lucky as an yeah. industry that people are extremely helpful. Like yes. I, I was telling someone that today, there's no community builder I know that if you were to reach out and say, hey, do you have five minutes or 10 minutes? I'd like to pick your brain or do you have time for a conversation mm-hmm. that will say that will, will not be like, yeah, sure, let's let's find some time. And and the people that don't want to give you the time will just avoid them. Yeah, it's, I was, was going to say there are a couple out there because I've yeah. been doing this for 15 years and I've come across a couple. But for the most part, you are accurately stating the, the industry. It is very much. And I, I just wrote this in a post I did today. It's like yes, you did. When, when I was part of Social Media Club, their tagline is, if you get it, share it. And I think this industry is all about that. If you get it, you're willing to share it with others that are well, wanting to, to ask or you'd be amazed. You know. even, even competitors of higher logic. Like I talked to the, you know, cause we're, I'm a, I'm in a very select club of people doing community to platform vendor. And I have to talk to others just to, is this like social so normal? Yeah. <laughs> Is this crazy or what do you guys No, I thought it was really nuts too. One of my first like big enterprise guys and like our competitor was much bigger than us, right? And they're 150,000 people or like 20,000 people. But but this is super competitive. And like they're like the speech at the executive all hands is like, we're in a battle and we're fighting every, you know, and that's the, the theme is we're fighting this war against this other company. Yet I go and like have lunch with the community manager. I'm like, how are you going? And you're awesome. And you know, <laughs> so it's uh, but the thing is the relationships that I built with that guy, for instance, seven years later, he actually hired me at another company. He ran my competitors as a director and he was at another company. And like, I went over and I was like, of course, John, you want me, his name is John also. I was like, you want me to work with you? You're awesome. You ran that my biggest competitors community for many years. I'd love to work with you. So building those relationships are better for your career in the long run too. Yeah. And I really like the way that Laiste Oliviera uh, said it in uh, hacking communities where there's this notion as we move forward with coopetition of building that as the base of abundance, where it's not about finding a space, niching down, and then just setting your guard. It's about if there's too much competition in a space, the problem isn't fighting over one another, it's expanding the space. And right. I feel like as community professionals, we just understand that as like a core aspect of our work and our default, because that's how we build and grow a large majority of our communities in the first place. So I really like this notion of competition is a sign that we have to expand, not a sign that we need to win. Yeah. And I think my two favorite things about being in this industry is number one, how giving folks are. I mean, that's, that's driven that's resonated with me so deeply that I've, I've even woven it into the community guidelines for decision link. Like the first bullet point is we before me. Um, so having this mindset of giving more than you take is uh, super important. And then Carolyn, to your point, uh, just the, the, the various walks of life that people come from before transitioning into community is something that I think keeps us so vibrant because 
folks are coming in, whether they're like teachers before, a lot of people do improv on the side, like being a creator is yeah. helps you thrive as a community professional because you're used to creating something from nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just find that the skill sets transfer so well. And then I always hear new and, in, and innovative ideas from, from folks who, who come from other parts of the uh, And that what, so it, much embodies like early YouTube too. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's one of the few industries too. It's, it's, you know, it's not like your degree or where you went to school so much as it's show me the communities you've built. Like I want to mm -hmm. see the work that's. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and actually, as a shout out too, like I mean, Jeffrey, when I first met him, I think he was at Koros, like yep, right, like when we all yep. had, and one of my good friends is Nicole Saunders at Zendesk, like you know, we just yeah. have, you know, yeah. like it's, but you know, we we have a good time and we chat and we learn from one another, and I guess the 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 cliche uh, that kind of Enya was hitting on is a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Like that's just, yeah. you know, we want as many people in community and. Uh, talking out there and so um anything we can do to move that forward is always a great thing i think one so of the one of the tips that i live by and have learned this because we've talked a lot about planning and you know letting people know what to expect and this was on a shirt from the community roundtable is control is for amateurs because if you think you can control people you're not going to get anywhere in community <laughs> David's face said it all for that. I love it. <laughs> you, know, you, you model behaviors that you want them to do, and you maybe you reward the behaviors you want them to do, but there's no way you're going to force them to do it. I, I also like the state. Yeah, yeah I also see the statement of that I keep reminding myself about is you can't want it more than they do. And the powerful, most amazing thing is to say, did we validate and ask these members? if this is actually going to be helpful or useful before we take time and building something, because the biggest lesson I've learned with creators in my space, I've been working with creators and founders and startups and people who are in the trenches doing it all on their own and like trying to figure out how to create belonging in, in an online community when they don't have all of the tools or teams to help them. And I mm -hmm. think the biggest lesson I've learned is that, you know, as a journalist with a background in journalism, talking about skills, I interviewed and asked really hard questions to a lot of different people who, over my lifetime, who, politicians and school directors who didn't want to answer questions and cops who wanted to tell me to shut up. And what I learned from all those examples is that you have to ask the questions, the hard questions of, is this true? Does this matter? And why is this important? And all the way up from CEOs struggle with answering those questions, along with founders and startups, because it's a lot easier to like put some pretty, pretty, pretty marketing together and then say, here's our thing, than to not to offend Carolyn for marketing, because I love marketing and she knows how much I love her work. But just to say that we need to validate and ask the questions. And the, best tip, the best tip I would give people is, you know, if somebody's telling you, well, let's, you know, here are the goals, get to these big numbers or hit these big things. Why? Ask that question and then asking the members, is this, the is you know, asking other people. I understand that you talked about like asking people within your networks, but it's really important to ask. 
the community members themselves, because they're the ones that are going to guide you and tell you, you know, here are the problems. Here's how this has been helping me or not been helping me. If I had a nickel for every time someone came to me with a community that they were launching with a slick PowerPoint of how they wanted the community to be without talking to anyone, I would be taking this call on a beach somewhere <laughs> and having a beautiful time because it happens way too often that it's like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. It's like, did you talk to anyone about this? No, well, it's our executive team wants this to, it's like, good luck. You got to like identify the problem that you're solving. Really like, you know, we, you know, even you're starting at the very basic level. I think the, my first community, I came up with the, the whole premise of the return on it because we were this small Korean gaming company in Mountain View. And I was like, we're getting slammed like 400 tickets a day. I asked them the same question over and over, right? I was like, dude, let me just post, let me put this thing, V-Volt in, it's like 50 bucks. And I'll put the answers there and people will read it. And he's like, nah, okay, dude, 50 bucks, go for it. And I built, next thing you know, we had 100,000 members, right? Within like six months. Like it was, and we were getting millions of traffic. Well, we had like 150,000 people playing the game at any given moment. So like having that many people in the community, it was, it was amazing. What, but, what company were you with? Uh, it was called EG or IJJI. It was, uh, oh, okay. well, you, you also point out a very important thing too, which is you were going as a leaf on the river. Yeah. With the community. They want support. You create the space for support. Yeah. No, but what I've seen some people do is the community is telling them they want support. And then the company is saying, oh, well, let's build this other, let's build an ambassador program. And it's like, no. Get that right. And then you can build your ambassador thing. But you're, there, there are signals in the universe. I've had this happen so many times where people will build a community and it's like, they'll be like, oh, but they're, they're spending all this time in this category, but that's not where I want it to be. And I'm like, your community is telling you what they want and you can either ignore them yeah. or you can go with it and, be, and have a successful community. Like it's you really can't tell human, human beings have their own decisions to make and they decide what they want to do. And no matter how many pretty arrows you point at something, you can't physically make someone go right. and do something. You know, that or they yeah. shut down the community and someone else will build it. Or Yeah, you know, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. If, if they had gone in and squashed that, they would have just broken off, built their own You've community. Seen without it. it is so common, especially in the open source communities. Um, I remember when Ubuntu um, split into Ubuntu Unity and Canonical, the uh, parent company who makes Ubuntu, is like, no, this is where we're going to go. Everyone really loves Windows. This is where the money is. We're going to go make this thing. And then all of the communities were like, what? No, let's just fork the project. And let's continue on doing what Ubuntu was doing originally. And it created Linux Mint, one of the like most popular and most common beginning level open source softwares out there. And it works just like Ubuntu did before they went into Ubuntu Unity. And it's such a difficult concept for a lot of um, executive uh, people that I talk to where it's like the red tape isn't in build the community. The red tape isn't in convince this community manager to go do the work or do the job. It's more, oh, well, we want this community with these specific benchmarks and we want you to just go make this thing that we've produced as if it's a product. And then all of the time, the executive members are just like, well, did you test this? 
no. Did you ask anyone? No. What about focus groups? You do focus groups for products, right? And they're like, but it's a focus group for a community. It'll be fine. Um, and I find that that red tape happens most commonly when you try to make this community thing you're producing into a communicative, associative conversation. That's the moment when they're like, oh, but is it like wasted money though? Is it red tape or is it ego? Mm. Uh -huh. I think it's red tape as a result of ego. I was on a call literally right before this session uh, and I've been hosting office hours weekly for internal folks to get onboarded into the community. Good tip. Uh, a lot of folks um, joined today and the CEO was on the call too. And he's like, um, you know, our, we're, we're inviting folks in, you know, slowly but surely getting, you know, our external folks in there as well. Uh, and he's like, are we, how do we add people to the community? Um, I'm like, well, yeah, we're reaching out to some of our most positively engaged, trusted customers, non-customers, friends of the industry right now. Um, and he's like, yeah, because it kind of seems like we're talking to ourselves right now. And uh, I'm like, yeah, well, we're doing this soft launch thing. And um, he's like, yeah, because, you know, I, I, you know, next year, because we're, we're planning on like full launch come the new year. And he's like, that seems like an eternity from now. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, so what would you say if instead of 25 people coming in at the onset, um, what would you say if 2,500 people showed up and saw that we were talking to ourselves? You know, like they'd never come back. <laughs> I've been there, brother. Yep. <laughs> Let's do an email blast. Let's ruin the vibe. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a place for email, though. I, I went back on email. Email, like... But when you're doing a curated office hour, which I do with my community, and it's, and, and oh, yeah. it's a different thing than having, let's in, invite 10,000 folks to this thing. It's a different, it's not, oh, it's yeah. not an office hour. Now it's a webinar. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I think that does also bring up another uh, tip that I found very important, um, which is uh, there is a time to be the bear and a time to be the flower. And to kind of explain that, if your community is a beehive and they've, they're have they all making honey, they're all living their lives, you can build flowers that are resources. They sit in one specific spot and the person can go get it and then come back and make something with it. You can produce content. And the flower is really, really nice, but it just kind of sits there. It doesn't do anything actively. And then there are specific times where you have to make the ask. There's sales and there is marketing and they do have a role in community, but you need to be very specific about where those are because they are the bear. They're going to come in and they're going to harvest the honey and it's not going to be a friendly experience. By and large, it won't be a friendly experience. But that doesn't mean that the bear is a bad thing. The bear is still a part of being a natural part of community. So you need to figure out when to be the bear and when to be the flower. And you need to be asking yourself with every decision you make, am I being the bear right now? And is that appropriate? Yeah. People always say like sales and community is like a negative thing. Right. And I know blatantly selling to your customers, you know, they don't necessarily want to hear that in there, but like, some of the strongest metrics I've ever seen out of companies is when you're able to tie sales or customer retention to community, 
right? And, and you're able to connect those or what we did at one company is be able to use community activity to influence the sales funnel or the moving through the sales stages, right? You have lead scoring. And if you have appropriate lead scoring a program, you can say, okay, this person had so many activities in your community and that's going to bump them up through the, through the sales funnel into a different cycle, right? So really you can use sales in the community, but it, it it's, it's nuanced and, but if done right, can be some of the strongest. Well, yeah. yeah, I just want I mean, to jump on like, that real quick. Sorry. I want to shout out to guild.co who um, put out a, 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 a document not too long ago, a nice big sheet about marketing to community, community marketing uh, that ties in real well with what John said. I might've contributed to that. So that's why I know about it. Uh, <laughs> so please check that out. But guild.co um, did its community, community marketing. And it was very good about following that fine line of not overselling to the community versus, you know, using it for retention, using it for getting people into the funnel because they're going to see the community sometimes before they see the website because of SEO reasons. Yeah, it could be a great lead generation. I know at one point in one company, the community was generating like more new net new contacts than the website was. People were, were signing more rapidly up for this community site than they were like for a white paper or for a webinar. We were getting hundreds of day, you know, per day, and they're getting like a handful a day. Then they're like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> the web team really started to reevaluate, you know, how the user journey and how the customer flowed through the sites, whether they're coming to the community first, were they able to transverse back into the main web property, or were they coming through the web pro main web property into the community? And so that's another tip is look at through your user flows, look at your user journey and how are people finding your community and how are they, you know, finding the rest of your company? And is there a good connection? Yeah. On that, the, the one tip I would say is with marketing, it's just, it's, it's a one question thing is, is this going to be valuable for the people in the community? If it's not, then it doesn't belong there. And, and so, you know, I, I found there's been a lot of success where folks will have a category and a specific thing, and there may be an offer in the sidebar. And if that's valuable, if it makes sense, like if you're in the Adobe community and it's a, a subscription discount, like, and you're asking yeah. questions, that makes sense to me. Like, I don't see anything wrong with that. What, where, where the problem is, is where it's like, it's not targeted. It's very unfocused. And it just, it's like gross, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Like, no, or, or, or the game private messages because someone is asking a question, then your SDR is going in there and saying, Hey, you can upgrade. And oh, like, like, no, 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 that's, that's a bad one. <laughs> that's a bad one. But I think nasty. you have a lot of information about your community managers, which allows you to really do focused and good marketing, right? You know that this section around this topic is, is highlighted. So you can use community activity to influence your community or, or your content marketing strategy. So look at what your community activity is, what are the trends, and then adjust your content marketing strategy accordingly. So I think that's another way you can really affect the marketing is by using it to influence your marketing strategy or change your content strategy. So that's that's one big question that like as a new or community manager that I definitely struggle with and I really enjoy about working at Communify is taking those actual problems that I'm currently facing in my communities. Like how do you attribute value? to a post how do you decide what actually matters to the community members when they're not necessarily willing to give that information how do you analyze their behaviors to really see 
Because they're like, I mean, we have in one community I manage, overwhelmingly people will tell us one time that they want to have an event, like a day of the week and a time. Oh, like 90% of people in the community will vote for that time and zero people will show up, which I mean, that's an issue anyone faces anywhere in event management. But how do you use data? Maybe some of you have tips on this. How do you use data to look at what people are saying versus what their behaviors are and kind of find that middle ground for what actually will work for community members? I mean, maybe the time was good. They just like to show up at the very last minute. Before, Who before. does that? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm um, just kidding. If you wouldn't mind, I would like to jump in on that one. Um, because I think it's really, really important when it comes to behaviors and sentiment tracking. Um, a lot of marketing companies tend to throw this at me. A lot of executives tend to throw this at me. And it's one of the biggest misconceptions I think a lot of people suffer when they come into community. Um, and it kind of goes back to that Ford quote, like, right, where it's like, if I would have asked anyone for what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And you're over here going, okay, so you need to level up what people are thinking, you need to provide what you believe in what you expect. And it's like, well, yeah, on one end, sure. But when it comes to building an event and building behaviors, behaviors and listening to sentiment, these are both different kinds of data that can correlate with the same actions and thoughts. So it's less important for you to focus on, okay, what's your answer to this question? And more focus on what's the trend and what's the pattern that you're seeing in this community. Does everyone wish that they were free at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday so that they could attend a random event? Or are they saying that that's what they would prefer, but they just don't actually have that time available because there's a sacrifice. There's a null pattern here of, yes, if I'm going to attend this event, this is when I would like to be here, but I do have other to do. So mm -hmm. the question is, is there asynchronous interaction for those live events before or after the fact? Or are people saying... I would like to attend this event, concretely speaking. That's a solid tip. And that sounds a lot to me like taking your quantitative data, coupling it with your qualitative data and using that to tell a story. Yeah. I want to add storytelling is a good place for me to interject that data does not tell you about the human being's experience that I know of, that I've had experiences around. Oh. And people are not going to jump out and tell you, hey, I just had a death in the family or my dog died or I've been struggling with depression for seven months and I can't get out of bed to come to your thing. Um, those are real things that are happening in this world. So I feel like we have to acknowledge that it might not be about the content or the timing or whatever. It, and it totally could have to do with these people and what is going on in their world, in their life. And how many communities are they in besides just this one? Or how many other places do they participate and show up? Because yeah. they're human beings. And so I love data to a point, but I really love people more than numbers for me personally. <laughs> to spend time with people is where I, where I get excited. So I would say, I think as a community host or a manager, um, sometimes it can be taken personally of they're not reaching back out to me or why didn't anybody show up on this thing? And it's 
got nothing to do with you as a human being here doing this and it has everything to do with a million other elements that could be happening out. In the yeah, or, or it could just be that there's no value. <laughs> there's if 90 people don't show up, they hate you. Sorry. Yeah. Like the content or the carrot is not really there for them. Like doing event management stuff for the last, you know, 15 years with community. Like when they don't show up to those events, you, you need to stop those things and, and remarket it, re come up with a topic change the host change the time like because it's obviously they're not getting a value out of it enough to show up well i would also say too that we uh, i was talking with someone this the, the other day um everything we know is kind of in the toilet when it comes to uh events and stuff because yep. we live in a we live now in a, in a time where um people are going to value their because the, the question was i was chatting with someone they were having trouble getting people to go to after work hour events and i said the reality is nobody has time for it anymore because the value of family and and and, and spare time and doing filling in the two plus years that we lost is more important than anything outside nine to five where we're like basically mm -hmm. and and that's another thing too working from home uh time of work means nothing so now to ask someone to do more it's kind of like mm -hmm. I, I ain't gonna do it so I, i've seen where the success has been is during work hours like if david had this at seven o'clock at night i don't know if we'd have anyone here but i wouldn't during, be here. <laughs> yeah i mean like but during the day it's 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 a it, it works a lot better but i'm you know from that point of view the uh specifically in community what i what i normally look at is um and i know it's old school time on site pay uh, number of pages that are being consumed and general and then attributing that also with general conversations around people if they're finding value um mm -hmm. you cannot underscore the importance of having those conversations with folks so you know i'm sad that 90 people didn't show up at your event but um i'm sure that there's you know you know to john's point it could be a, a host of things i know that there were there was a tactic at one point that people would charge a minimal amount to kind of put some skin in the game like charge like a dollar or two yeah. just to cover the cost or what have you. But I don't, I, you didn't say if it was a virtual event or so in person. It, so. it was virtual. So I saw a fascinating one recently where this was specifically for like web three events, virtual events where they charged crypto to show up. But if you didn't show that crypto went away, like it was basically a deposit, but if you did show up, the crypto for the people who didn't show up got split between the actual physical attendees. I was like, what an interesting way to do it. I found that fascinating. Kind of to your point of like, what a weird social experiment of keeping the skin in the game for an yeah. event. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of wacky things. I mean, I at one point had an idea for, to avoid spammers that everyone would have an account tied to some crypto. And if they spammed that they lost money. Mm. But Ooh. How, do you, how would you build that? I don't know. Interesting. That's fascinating though. <laughs> Yeah, Deb, I, to your point, Deb, um, oh, sorry, Benya, um, I, I experienced that directly with, uh, you know, the CMX events. We've, we've only been doing it actually quite recently. Um, we're having our third event next week. And there's someone who was really enthusiastic about it when we kicked off, but he just hasn't been able to make it to an event. And he was very upfront with me about the fact that, hey, you know, I'm going through the ringer right now. I just I'm going through a bad breakup. I lost my job, super depressed. And I was just, and we we've built a relationship even though he hasn't attended an event i'm like sending him jobs checking in on him periodically things like that so yeah 
Sounds like he could be a country music writer. <laughs> those user group programs running one for many many years in silicon valley like we would always see like so we do okay guests it'd be a smaller company databricks okay and then i'd like schedule google and like boom everybody's come right and it's 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 weird it's those names that bring people and every time i'd schedule like a good speaker or the host would be like some recognizable brand, like I'm at Facebook, everybody would show up, right? Like, um, but I'm at, I'm at like uh, raw data, like no one knows who raw data is. Like, I mean, that, that's, why people, that's why you see those marketing events. I won't call them out, but that they'll have like Oprah or Obama or yeah. like, what is, what is, worse? or they don't yeah, even have the speaker space up there. They just have the company name and logo up there. It's like, it's, it's always it's speaker always, from Google, always, speaker from Facebook, you know? What is Amy Schumer going to tell me about customer experience? But I mean, a lot of people want to see her, Amy Schumer. So it, it brings tickets in if they were, you know, if it were, but me personally, like I've always said, I would rather hear from the people behind Oprah than Oprah. Like I would love to hear like the, you know, the, you know, like Ted Sarandos runs Netflix, and I'm sure he's a great guy, but we know, like, we've worked with enough executives. There are a lot of people underneath him. I'd rather hear from those folks that are doing the work. His executive admin, right? Yeah. yeah. Like that. I mean, the, the great and powerful Oz is a lot, I admit, but the man behind the curtain is far more interesting. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, when we were, I mean, we kind of got into reporting and metrics. And I think, you know, one of the tips that I've learned, and this is actually before I was applying it in community was it came from uh, a career coach, which was, you know, everybody gets an annual performance review or most people do. Right. And it's like, you shouldn't wait for that. You should be documenting your work every week, every month, at least. And as a community manager, what I did is I took and applied that to, well, I, I don't want to sound like an overachiever because I don't do it anymore, but um, but I was doing it daily, you know, in a startup environment because we were iterating so quickly. But what I would do is even if your reports are coming in on a monthly or quarterly basis is every day or every week, take those snapshots or notes of what happened in your community. And especially if it pertains to somebody in your company. And share that. You don't need to send it out company-wide, but maybe within that team, maybe direct to that person, maybe to their manager. And just, you know, this is the way that I think you help people Whoops. I mean, I all need to get back on. <laughs> Technical error. <laughs> We're all back uh, but but that way, what you're doing is you're getting that buy-in from your community, um, you know, for your community from internal stakeholders, and seeing the value of what's happening. But more importantly, what you're doing is you're getting everybody that's in charge of departments, in charge of your company, not relying on those monthly reports, but knowing that your community is making an impact every single day, every single we, week. Yeah, and, we. Actually, that's like one of the most important and critical first steps to any form of qualitative data processing. Take a, a tip from the anthropology departments and create a deep description field journal. 
Um, I really, really strongly agree with this idea. And as a community builder, as a community manager, you are so close and so ingrained in our online community that your voice matters. But at the same time, just by virtue of being a community builder, you have a bias. There is no ignoring that bias. There's no removing that bias. All of the stakeholders in your community have that bias. So by having these notes like you're talking about, Tim, all you have to do is just add a column for disposition. Is this positive? Is this negative? And then include in these items as, a, as your own data source, your own qualitative data source, and then just port it into a dashboard. Again, Data Studio, Looker Studio is free. Just report to your uh, executive by saying, here are my top five kudos for the week and my top five uh-ohs for the week. Pick two of them, and I'm going to deep dive into them, have an interview with the people who are involved, and then we're going to get to the bottom of these kudos and uh-oh situations. So don't just have those descriptions, like Tim said. I think that's an incredible tip, but actually make it a source of data that is reportable, viable, and brings empathy into your metrics. Yeah, like the re frequency of reporting is really determined about the size of your community. Like when it's young, like daily, weekly reporting, going up to your manager, here's what's happening. Here's those new people. Even if it's not just for your reporting to your manager, but for yourself, you're looking at, okay, I know how many people joined this week. I know how many net new people. I know, okay, how, where my discussions are. You know what's going on. And that way you can inform like, what do I need to be doing this next week, right? Okay, now, if, especially in the beginning, Right. If you're scaling it up, it's different if you're an older community with a really established then then reporting is like, OK, monthly, quarterly, yearly type of report. Right. And then, you know, in these beginning things, it's like monthly, weekly, every other week, you know, and having the anecdotal stuff because the numbers won't support what you're trying to sell in the beginning. Right. Like the reality is like, Jeff, you're saying like, we got 25 people in there, but like, dude, like those 20 feet, five people are seeding all the content that's going to support the 2,500 people we're going to start to invite next month. Yep. So by having some context that, you know, in your reporting that these 25 people did this type of stuff, that's really making an impact, right? What was it a long time? Who was it said? You only need like a couple hundred people in a community to be self-sustaining or active or something there was like a number i think it was like a millington number i can't remember what it was off the top of my head but there's only a minimal amount of people you need to be your community to be long-term viable agreed um kind of speaking on that i i also kind of want to take another left turn into anthropology if possible where I think a lot of community managers tend to suffer with approaching community metrics the same way that you do marketing or wider analytics, because we live in a very data abundant, big data kind of world where the law of numbers is expected to always apply. And the law of numbers is essentially for any conclusion that you make, the more data you have, the more specific or accurate your data can be because you have larger data sets. But I think especially when you're beginning your community, it's really, really important to have those deep descriptions and to focus a lot more on conversation over time because you don't get the um, you don't get the privilege of the law of numbers. You have to be using smaller data sets that are often very disparate. You have to put this data together and struggle with it. So especially in the beginning, you have to spend a lot of a lot more time data sleuthing and that journal tip is definitely a really great way to go about that process. One, one thing I'm seeing that's really been working for 
as a new trend in the the end of this year and maybe going into next year is that people are removing inactive members from their community. And I really am glad to start seeing people not so interested in how many people can get I get in my num in my community and then not caring if they're active or not and more more transition to this I want active people in here and I don't care if that's five people or 500 people or 30 people or whatever the number is but I want to really serve those people and if maybe that means you go through each month or whatever time frame makes sense so you, once a year or once a quarter and review the most active people versus less active people um if you have a paid community then obviously they're paying to get through the doors but like some people have these free spaces where they're trying to build traction and this is not for a lot of majority of people on this call are building like customer or product communities. So this is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about communities where you're actually helping people transform or make a difference in their life somehow, like a community of practice. And if they're not getting the benefit, maybe it's just not the right time for them. And so sometimes it helps to like nudge people along and be like, hey, I'm actually really excited about talking to people who are super challenged and then identifying maybe you know, there's people just not showing up over and over again for a long time. That's okay. We can just tell them, hey, this isn't for you right now. And we're just going to, it's going to be a super tight space where it's people that are super passionate about certain, the specific thing. I think I have a, good, a tip that we can lead into that, right? About those people that don't come and, and they, they come and they go, or they might not be inactive for an extended period of time, is really think about what your community newsletter strategy is, right? What your community email strategy and newsletter strategy, because that could bring those people that have maybe fallen off, maybe your company or your product has lost their radar, right? Or your organization. But then they get that that newsletter, they get that little email, might spark you, look, oh, that's a conversation, or I want to read about that post and it's stuff highlighting what's in your community sending out regularly to your community base can really you know bring back some of those people you may have lost over time so that's a, that's one of my tips is think about your email or newsletter strategy to for those people that you may have lost to to kind of like second that from a consumer standpoint i recently got an email from a newsletter that i have been subscribed to for probably a year and a half and i regularly read but I don't know that I have clicked links within it, but I read and find value from the newsletter. And I got an email that said, we're removing you from this list. You've never clicked a link. I was like, what? No. And <laughs> like, I mean, I get it from a marketing standpoint. I'm like, you want a clean email list. You want high open rates, high link clicks and stuff like that. But I was, I was genuinely butthurt. I was like, how dare you? Like, don't tell me what I need to do. Um, so I think, there, there would be, be like some at, nuance. Right? They should be looking at open rate, not necessarily click through rate, right? Well, you might have a high open rate. Open rate is so random. Yeah, like well, open rate is. Yeah, I think it depends on the community. I don't, I don't think Deb's saying you just take all your inactive users. No, 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 absolutely there. not. Yeah, but there's a, there's also something because I've been in these communities, right, where it is like Deb's describing. If you're not participating, they say that you won't be part of the community anymore. Out. You're always welcome back in, but you won't be part of it. The big mistake I see in a lot of these communities is they don't live up to what they say. Mm. They it's a it's a it's an empty threat that they're putting out there that, you know, if you're not active, 
you're going to have to go. So if you do have those things in place, as well as anything in your community, if you don't practice it and apply what you say is going to happen, you are opening the floodgates to people ignoring everything and every guideline that you put in place. <laughs> the time I ever removed people from my community is when it had to do with my licensing and I had a cap where I was moving platforms. Okay, I usually didn't like, you know, go through and weed them out too often unless I knew, okay, I had a cap on license seats for my platform and then I had a regular to go through and weed out, you know, inactive or non-inactives or when I was moving platforms. So a lot of times we would switch platforms every three, four years, right, in an enterprise. And uh, at that point, we'd make a decision, okay, these ones are inactive over the last year or two. We're not going to, because there's a cost to move to migration, right? So like leaving them in your, what you can do is a lot of things you can set their account to in inactive and not necessarily remove them for your community. That way it still gives them a chance to come back or you to email them, but mark their account as inactive, but not necessarily remove them. Yeah. I've been working on a presentation on migrating your platform, community platform, and I both have losing members as a pro and a con yeah. for not doing a bulk install. <laughs> I tend to take three approaches and I think that all three approaches are uh, quite required um, because like I said earlier, a lot of people don't really focus on the null. Um, so this applies to event management onboarding. It applies to community onboarding. It applies to marketing funnels. It applies very, very much so to offboarding and leaving online communities and marketing funnels as well, where you need to recognize that when a customer says no, that is an action that you can take. And when a customer truly performs no action, these are two different things. There's a difference between someone who is lurking or casually opening your newsletter. And there's a difference between someone who is actively annoyed by your ad, by your newsletter, by being in your online community. So I often find that uh, taking three approaches where you ask them to raise their hand to say, I would like to be inactive is a good idea. Um, the terminology is very, very different, but I actually do have in my own community, a lurker tag um, that effectively says, if you click on this tag, you're not gonna be notified of any of the events occurring in the community. You're not going to be brought about anything, but if you wanna hop in, you have full complete freedom to read the whole thing. And I exclude my lurker tags from any of my uh, gardening processes. And then the second process is to avoid what Carolyn went through um, you have to have a process or a offboarding funnel that is at minimum four steps. And it's effectively a statement of, hey, we haven't heard from you a while, from you in a while. Do you want to uh, revise the tag system on your profile so that you're getting better content or better value? And then the second one is, hey, you've been kind of silent. Did something happen here? The third one is, oh, hey, it looks like we may have done something wrong. Do you really want us to talk? And then the fourth email is, now we're going to go ahead and remove you because you haven't been able to respond. And it's giving them multiple opportunities to raise their hand to say, I'm here. I'm just not interested in doing more. And then the third approach, um, after you've set up a system that says, um, I would like to raise my hand, and you've set up a email uh, funnel and profile that respects and gives them as many opportunities to do that. Once they do leave, you need to have a option for them to collect specific other information. Like when someone leaves my Discord, 
I asked them, do you just want to be on the YouTube channel? Is that all you'd like to do is just subscribe to the YouTube channel? Give them another place to interact where they might find more value so that they're not just completely cut and dry left out at the door. Yeah. I would go and say think, like, oh, go, go ahead. It. Go ahead. I'll let you have a final point and then we're going to close it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was saying one of the things that's instead of remove like another last tip then, right, that I say that something that community manager might miss out or not think about is we're talking about removing of members and what is that? But the other thing is looking at your old content and doing a content catalog or inventory and removing old outdated content as well. Ooh. This increased don't, don't the overall remove, don't remove old content. Don't remove yeah, old content. It's, it's, Updated it's, if needed, but don't remove it because it's legacy knowledge that'll be lost forever when you get rid of it. Oh, it's not help you, but it might help you. Content hoarder. I'm with David because I, I ran into a, a community that they removed a whole bunch of content and then realized it was the 80% of their SEO was coming from that content. Yeah, just add a version tag. Yeah. yeah. We thought we were going to take that big hit too. When I, when I told my boss I was going to delete 14,000 pages at one time. And he's like, you can't do that. And I was like, well, I can. I did all my research. These, this stuff is dead. It hasn't seen anybody page views, con comment in over like 18 months. And like oh, we yeah. deleted it and like nothing, it didn't even hiccup, right? But research, yeah. research. Hey, you know, but it could, it could, it could also... Could yeah, also be that maybe you need to update the content too. There, there might yeah, have been. Some, some it was old. Yeah. It was outdated. It like company. It was Oracle content that legacy. That's not oh, yeah. even like relevant <laughs> stuff. Oh yeah, but you know what though? It's you, you always run into this problem. You have this obscure problem. You Google for it. You find a uh -huh. forum from 1842 that says, yes. "Oh, try this link." It worked for me, and you click the link, and it's gone. Yeah, I'm right. A, I'm a much bigger yeah. fan of you put it into an archive. Yeah, we call it the read only. It's read only, and you say, yeah, that's what go I here. For, <laughs> yeah. All right. That's a, we had a lot of great discussion today. Today was probably, I think, one of our best uh, episodes because uh, we were just all over the place. Lots of great tips everywhere. <laughs> Carolyn, do you need to jump real quick? No, I'm good. I'm oh, well, not okay. late, and I don't um, need to so leave. <laughs> we'll let you go first. Wow. We'll let you go first and just say again who you are and how people can get in touch with you if they want to find out more about what you do. Um, and that goes for everybody. Just tell people where you can be found and where they can get you. And uh, we'll start with Carolyn. We'll go to Jeff and just kind of. Uh -oh. <laughs> How's that for weird issues today? Okay, so Carolyn, go ahead. Okay, awesome. So I'm Carolyn Zick. You can find me on LinkedIn under Carolyn Zick. I believe I'm the only one on LinkedIn with that spelling. That's accurate down there, wherever. Um, message me on there or email me, Carolyn at communifyllc.com if you want to talk about data and our cool new tool that John and I are developing. Otherwise, LinkedIn is the, probably the fastest way to get a hold of me. All right, John, since you're right there. Hey, yeah, no, if this was so cool. But uh, like I said, you can find me LinkedIn, right? John Summers or JV Summers on Twitter. Or uh, like I said, come check out our site. Uh, it's uh, communifyllc.com. Uh, we're building a really unique kind of tool built for community managers, right? That's affordable, that allow you to do a lot of things we're talking today. These are the problems that I'm trying to, you know, solve from me as a community manager perspective, not necessarily just building software just for software's sake. But yeah, this was great. I love it. Thank you so much for uh, having us.
we'll have you back if you want to come back. So uh, oh. you're new, Jeffrey, you're new. So you go ahead. Yeah, I'm Jeffrey Rowe. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's Chaffrey. So C-H-A-F-F-R-E-Y. But yeah, you should be able to find me pretty easily on LinkedIn. Just look for the guy with the backwards cap. <laughs> Venia. Uh, yeah, so my name is Venia uh, for uh, at Samantha Venia. I think it just disappeared from my uh, uh, intro tag here. Yeah, but um, in lieu of getting in contact with me, I would also like to point out that next week we're going to be doing a deep dive into events. Carolyn is also going to be a part of that where we have a whole bunch of YouTube videos. Uh, so if you're interested, tune in to Community Manager Live there. And we also have a wonderful playlist. I'll kind of uh, tweet that out directly after this, where we're actually going to have a whole bunch of awesome community influencers on YouTube weigh in on that whole events has completely changed. It's now in a toilet situation for next week. Yeah, and we'll jump over to the accidental community manager. Howdy. Uh, <laughs> the easy way to find me would be um, adrianspire.com. Uh, and I have a newsletter. LinkedIn's cool. And I'm on Mastodon because I'm not giving uh, Musk any more money. Sorry. <laughs> there we go. Deb? I am on LinkedIn is the best place to connect directly with me. I am also the host of the Community Strategy Podcast, uh, which we, I just talked with Adrian this week about his book. I just interviewed uh, David Siegel, the CEO of Meetup yesterday, and lots of fun episodes to come for the amazing Community Strategy Podcast. But uh, uh, LinkedIn is the best place to find me, and I'm writing a book called Creator to Community Builder, uh, soon to be coming new website. So stay tuned. Very good. Tim? Yeah, Tim McDonald. I am the head of community at uh, homeroom.club. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at T.A. McDonald or LinkedIn, Tim A. McDonald. And I, if you go to LinkedIn, you'll see a couple of posts I just wrote, one about uh, launching a community and the other about migrating a community, which have a bunch of tips that we discussed and even more there today and some from Adrian's book. Um, <laughs> so that's a little bit about me. And we I can't uh, thank everybody here today. It's just been so fun and enjoyable and informative. I, oh, I think can I get one last plug in? I just totally forgot. Next week, if you guys or happen to be, this is international, but I'll be speaking at Event Tech Live in London. Me and Caroline will be there uh, attending. Uh, we have a little booth in their startup area as well, so you can come nice. check us out there. There is a day one virtual event as well, too, if you guys uh, a lot of community people looking at events, and it's a, I think it's a good event to go hand in hand with community. Great. That's great. Um, <laughs> very good. Uh, I'm David Dewalt, uh, Community Manager at Siena again, and you can find me most places as Historian. So that's Historian on LinkedIn, Historian on Twitter, just everywhere. So she's uh, everywhere, but maybe uh, YouTube. Uh, so Not uh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> I want to thank our guests and my co-host, Tim McDonald, for joining us today. And thank you to our audience. We had great turnout today. Uh, we had some good chatters, but I couldn't pronounce the name, so I'm not going to try to do it. If you liked this, please like and subscribe on the platform of your choice. If you would like to be a guest on an upcoming topic uh, or you have a topic you want us to cover, head over to cmgr.live.com. Scroll down a little bit. There's a form on the page you can fill out. Uh, if you would prefer an audio version of this, we do it as a podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, again, thank you to our guests. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week.